0: Hello and welcome to the Business Beyond Limits podcast with me, Jason Bradbury. And me, Stuart Witts. Hi, Stuart. Hello. Great to see you, buddy. (laughs) It's good to see you too. That was a good broadcasting hello. Was it? It was a really good hello. Yeah, you like made your own (laughs) echo. So Stuart is my mate, my confidant. Uh, We've done all kinds of crazy digital projects together. We're mad on retro computer gaming and all things gadget. Is that fair to say? I think that's very fair, Jason. Good. So you're going to be with me for the duration of this podcast as my kind of uh, boffin sounding board. Sound good? Uh, That sounds perfect. Uh, In this series, we're answering some of the biggest questions being asked about technology today, especially the Internet of Things, and asking what it all means for the future of business. In this episode, we're looking at
1: how connected technology can make dangerous jobs safer. We'll be hearing from people who are already benefiting, as well as those who are working with the IoT to make things safer for them and the rest of us.
0: Okay, so acronym alert. IoT means? Internet of Things. Nice. Uh, This podcast is brought to you by Vodafone Business, connecting the businesses of the UK to help them unlock their potential. Find out how at vodafone.co.uk slash business. Okay, Stuart, have you ever had a dangerous job? Generally speaking, I work on computers, so unless I get electrocuted... I you. Um... <laughs> Everyone knows exactly what you look like <laughs> right right now. You've got little glasses, look, he's got a little goatee and he's got a, a kind of Comic-Con t-shirt. Like, you're so funny. Thank you for that. Lucky for you that I actually did a TV show for a now-defunct cable TV channel in the UK and the series was all about dangerous jobs. One of the most dangerous things I've ever done is a water-powered jetpack with a guy called Frankie Zapata who was the world jet ski champion at the time and decided that if he was to harness the flow of water from the jet on the back of his jet ski into a fireman's hose, he could fly like Iron Man. Yeah, that's pretty (laughs) cool, isn't it? And I flew up about 20 metres in the air and then I did something that meant it all stopped and I fell backwards and I hit my head on the water. That actually happened. Didn't knock you out. No, because no, I'm dead hard. dead hard, yeah. Anyway, Stuart, why am I asking you about all these dangerous jobs? Because, Jason, we are now going to talk about how technology can make those jobs safer. I love that little segue. You're right. You're not wrong there. OK, so fishing, for example, is one of the most dangerous industries in the UK. Uh, fishermen, and I'm guessing fisherwomen in Britain, uh, have a 1 in 20 chance of being killed on the job during the course of their working lives. That's an amazing statistic.
1: That's terrible, isn't it? Horrible. And agriculture as well has 167 deaths over the past year. Aside from coming into contact with heavy machinery and working from heights,
0: farm animals also pose a danger. And the majority of workplace deaths are due to falls. Really? Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? This is dark stuff. It is very dark. It's a dangerous world out there. really scary. I think you're right with your Comic-Con T-shirt and your (laughs) fear of the outside world. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> so, in 2019, with so much tech at our disposal, how can industries use the power of the Internet of Things to make their workplaces safer?
1: There are some truly dangerous jobs that it'd be crazy for humans to do when there are machines purposely designed, sending in driverless vehicles into war zones or drones
0: into treacherous mine shafts. Yeah, drone technology is particularly exciting to me, you know, offering the ability to get to hard-to-reach locations and it's increasingly being used in dangerous situations take for example in 2017 did you know that drones were used to fly around the burnt out grenfell tower so that fire crews could safely assess the damage add in 5g and it can revolutionize someone's job
1: we went to speak to james russell a volunteer with surrey search and rescue to get a demo
2: I really believe this technology absolutely is saving lives and will be saving lives furthermore in the future. I'm James Russell, CEO at WireHive and a volunteer at Surrey Search and Rescue, where I'm both a drone pilot and the head of the Special Projects team. Some of the high-risk environments we work in is supporting the fire service in wildfires, water rescue incidents, flooding and high-risk missing people search, covering large areas looking for people in all sorts of environments, some of them not particularly safe to go in. What we've got in front of us here is one of our latest drones, uh, a Mavic 2 provided by DJI. It's not very big at all, it's only just a bit larger than my handspan. although I have quite large hands. And we have various attachments for it, including very usefully addition in this one, some very high uh, brightness lights, which uh, we can use when we're providing instant overview to light a scene from the sky, which is like having a flying torch. I know it sounds simple, but putting a light in the sky is really powerful. On this one, we've got a thermal capability as well, which helps us find and identify people in difficult search situations. In a water environment where, say, there's a person trapped in a water flow, like in a weir or something like that, we get the drone in there see where they are, check they're still alive and holding on to something, know exactly where they are and keep an eye on the situation whilst water rescue teams are kitting up, getting in boats and getting ready. And in that situation time is everything. You know, people do incredible things to survive and you know will hang on and hang on. But there's only so long they can do that. So literally anything we can do to shave time off and get the right people to the right location quickly and provide that rescue capability. So directing the boat in, directing the cruisers and saying, this is where we are, this is what they're doing, this is what's happening around them. That is just amazing and that will make the difference between life and death. One of the most satisfying uses of this for me has to be one of the wildfires in late September last year in Ash Ranges. The fire hadn't been tackled at all at that point. As the fire was advancing, we got the drone up, the smoke was billowing, you could smell the burning heathland in there. Also, there was actually, there was actually some wild animals out there as well, which we were um, watching provide additional reassurance to them that they were naturally moving out of the fire. But whilst I was doing this, identified a separate pocket of fire that had broken off from the main front and started another smaller wildfire that was going in a different direction and being able to show that to the fire service, that was not visible from the ground and they were attacking the main flame front and I, th- I felt definitely in that particular situation with provided them some extra information, some extra insight that potentially stopped the incident going to something bigger. That for me just showed the power of this technology and, and how it can help. When the drones are flying, we're receiving back a video feed from the drones, um, which is usually displayed to the pilot on his control device, but goes no further. So DroneStream takes the live video stream from the drone, we stream it over 4G to make it available on a website, allow us and our partners to securely view that stream. Because of the nature of what we're looking at, having something that's uh, fast, reliable and low latency really helps. Without that, there could be a long delay on the video. So you're looking at something that's having 30 seconds or you're having to send really compressed, low-quality video and it's hard to make out what you're seeing on it. Firstly, fire is a rapidly sometimes changing environment. So, a fire that starts with something like you know a small couple of pallets on fire can rapidly set fire some woodland and turn into a major wildfire. They need to understand that and get the resources there as quickly as possible. They can watch it on all sorts of devices. I mean, much like YouTube, but your own version of it. You can watch it on your phone, you can watch it on a computer, you can watch it on a tablet. But basically, anywhere that is equally connected, and those people can be local, remote, international, whatever's necessary. So, in a fire environment, that allows you to pass it to the incident commander or someone. who can watch situational overview whilst his colleagues in the control centre can also see the same video feed and they can make tactical decisions based on what they're seeing. Video is one of the biggest driving factors behind ever increasing bandwidth requirements and 5g is definitely the technology to do that so as the drones improve as the camera technology improves we'll be looking to send high resolution video thermal adds multiple layers to the video, so more data as it gets bigger we can't be buffering stuff we need to be sending it in real time so you know as this technology is used and the benefits of it are felt we may have multiple drones flying at the same time we need to get those video feeds back and people watching them Today we're flying the drone and controlling it ourselves. As autonomy increases it becomes much more about tasking and receiving an outcome. I might, for example say I'd like visual coverage of this area, plot an area on the map, and then potentially release a swarm of drones, you know, five or ten of these things, which would all go off and undertake this tasking. This would be amazing, but it would require good communication to it, and that's game where 5G could come in, because all the drones themselves would be directly connected. You know, obviously they're flying Internet of Things, which is a, <laughs> an interesting concept, but that would definitely Allow us to have, you know, as many of these as we could manage, or you know, communicate with. Wow, that was That's
0: fascinating! Incredible, it was fantastic, wasn't it? Absolutely incredible. So, what job do you now want? Drone, Drone rescue, rescue, rescue pilot definitely. <laughs> That is just number one job, isn't it? That sounds incredible thing to do. So we're both fans of drones, are we not? We indeed are. I have a Mavic
1: 2 myself.
0: Yeah, fact, yeah. No, I I actually have well, it. But you've got it at the moment. Yeah. I stole it. To, I do you. want to get it back at some point. So where's the best place you've flown a drone? Me? Yeah. Uh, so interestingly, this is mad, actually. I was in a place called Mount Buller, which is somewhere north, a few hours north of Melbourne in Australia. Yeah. And I flew your drone, strangely enough, yeah, on a beach in Byron Bay, and then took the footage back. Four hours later, I was viewing the footage and saw a shark in the water. A shark? That's that really happened. Wow! But that's not strange because, as you find out when you go to the east coast in Australia, sharks are blooming everywhere. And there's a shark drone shark spotting unit on the beach. Wow! I actually filmed them. They've actually got like signs with a picture of a drone on it. But the whole drone scene is exploding. Where's the most exotic place you've flown your drone?
1: Uh, well, I did once uh, take it up in my back garden to test out the, uh, oh, God, the kind right. of.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> and you were indoors, weren't you, when you did that? I was, yeah. I didn't yeah. want to uh... because you didn't want to like your death knight to die in World of Warcraft. That's right. It was a very, very important time. <laughs> your only connection to the outside world was via that drone. That it was, week. but it was beautiful. So in more general terms, guys, what we're seeing is devices like drones uh, becoming smart and in turn making conditions safer for people. Uh, The Internet of Things is making us much more connected to one another. Even Stuart can still play his games, but actually get to see the outside world. It's a wonderful place. Giving us, it's a screensaver to you, I know that, giving us a clearer picture of what is going on around us and allowing us to be far more responsive to things, even predict what lies ahead It's probably not surprising that construction jobs are in the top 10 most dangerous in the UK. Construction sites are full of hazards. Yes, they are. Heavy machinery, uneven surfaces, scaffolding can all be used by people in Shoreditch to make furniture for pubs. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're a crane driver, did you know that was coming? I did, yeah. Oh, because you read it, yeah? yeah, You've also got the weather to contend with. Imagine being stuck in the cab of a crane that's swaying in the wind. I've never thought about that before. I'm
1: I'm imagining it now.
0: Oh, I feel sick. That's quite crazy. Speeds can get up to as much as 45 miles per hour before a crane has to be taken out of service. It's an interesting fact. Here's another one. That's the same as being hit by a gazelle running at full pelt. Well, I I did not know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Now,
1: construction managers can use an Internet of Things system to monitor those wind speeds and determine whether it's safe for their drivers to continue to work. And the brilliant thing is, because of the tech, the manager doesn't need to be anywhere near the crane, let alone up
0: it. What? To, to get the data. What? Yeah. So, Just, yes, another job that you can do from a beach in Barbados? Yeah, or inside your house, I guess. <laughs> playing Minecraft? That's my
1: new job. Oh. The system was designed by Wind Crane in Glasgow. Let's hear from Lisa Cairns.
3: Windmunching's been happening on sites for years. It, it was a... a major safety issue for crane drivers and uh, generally on construction sites. So the main data that comes through is the wind gust alerts. And that's when they go over the threshold that the customers set as safe to work. And the beauty of having this shared data is that the crane driver has the same data as the site manager, as the construction manager, as the operations people in the office. And with everyone sharing the same data, it means that not one person is responsible for any kind of issues that may arise on site. We are the only internet connected. Winds monitoring system, you're providing information to your customer that means something to them.
0: Thank you
1: Lisa, fascinating stuff. This podcast is being brought to you by Vodafone Business. With faster speeds and more bandwidth than ever, 5G is helping British businesses go beyond their limits like never before. Find out more at Vodafone.co.uk forward slash business.
0: We're talking about the future of tech's role in dangerous jobs. We've discussed tech in the air and dangerous workplaces on land. But jobs underwater bring a whole new level of complexity. There is a very small window of time before an accident becomes a tragedy when you're underwater. Stuart, I feel like a fact, please. Did you know, Jason, an underwater welder's life expectancy is about five to
1: ten times lower than the labourers working in construction or manufacturing? I did not know that.
0: You do now. Can I ask you a question? Yes, indeed. I think I know what the answer's going to be. Okay. okay. <laughs> Have you ever been diving? Does echo the dolphin count? No. Okay. Diving, all right, particularly deep sea diving can be extremely dangerous. Once underwater, divers lose the capability to communicate with the boat and, unless using gestures, which I know about because I've done my paddy, and you do little signs like that, for example. Can you give me an example? Yeah, like that. Oh, that's good, yeah. Well, do you know what that means? Okay. (laughs) Yes, it does. You can probably guess what I'm doing, folks. Anyway, divers often lose a sense of where they are. They become disorientated. But do not worry because the Internet of Things is here to help. WSense is an Italian company with engineers based in
1: Southampton, and they've created a way of completely changing all this. It's based on using Internet of Things, Dolphin-style communication, there's Echo for you, nice. and a very smart waterproof tablet. Daniele Spacini, their chief technical officer, showed us
4: how it works. Up to now, it was not possible to monitor and keep track in uh, real time uh, wirelessly the, the position of the divers. In addition, the, the divers were not able to communicate a reliable, uh, let's say, a complete way when they are underwater. That's because they usually use gestures. So what we did is uh, to create a system that allows in uh, real time the divers to communicate in a reliable way, but also to keep track uh, of the locations of the other divers as well as uh, of the surface boats. And this can increase the safety of the diving operation, since uh, both the surface operators or uh, are divers know exactly where they are. And of course they can uh, communicate uh, Uh, in a reliable way to exchange messages and uh, icons and uh, pictures to perform several uh, tasks. Three archaeologists tried this system for the discovery of uh, novel archaeological underwater sites and the part that they liked more was that they were able to interact they were able to communicate so we were able to move uh, far away each other but still Communicate. The problem is that when uh, divers dive underwater, they just know their depth but not their exact position with respect to the other uh, divers or uh, the surface boats. So, when they come up in the surface, maybe they don't find the, the boat. So, we have the, a small uh, tube underwater tube that contains a modem that allows to communicate in a real time uh, wirelessly underwater. It means that uh, we use the acoustic waves like the mammals do. So, we are able to reach uh, really uh, long distances since the sound propagates really well underwater. It propagates uh, more in water than in uh, on air and so it's really fast. So, it's the best way to communicate underwater, as the mammals know. <laughs> this tiny node is uh, connected to the back of the diver and is uh, connected through a cable to a, an underwater tablet that allows the divers to communicate. Uh, in uh, real time with other divers and, uh, of course, with the uh, surface operators on the boat. Another component of the, the system is a floating buoy. This is a bridge between the terrestrial world and the underwater world. This means that the divers can communicate underwater acoustically, but uh, all these messages must be uh, transformed in the radio signal, so we can use uh, standard radio communication, like uh, 4G, 5G or uh, satellite communication, to Transmit this data to the terrestrial world, let's say like a boat or an onshore station, any terrestrial uh, device. When the diver is underwater, he can see in the, the screen of the tablet the map of the environment where uh, he is with some uh, point of interest. There is, uh, of course, a big button for the SOS message and is uh, able to see its own uh, current depth together with the position and uh, its at, uh, status in terms of uh, oxygen and uh, parameters and uh, it can communicate both using uh, text messages like uh, whatsapp or uh, telegram but also to send uh, icons that represent complex action so it's more easy to send a simple icon with respect to type uh, a message. Our system is part of what we call the Internet of Underwater Things, like the Internet of Things, but underwater. The 5G allows us to transmit this data quickly in order to reach the Internet. And of course, if the coverage of the 5G will expand, this will allow us to monitor the largest area of the sea, since it will allow us to control remotely the underwater devices through the 5G connection. This technology applied to divers can allow to save life in that operators diving center can monitor in real time the status of the divers when they are underwater. So if something happens, they can react really fast. Even uh, monitoring the oxygen level for uh, each diver is uh, really important. It will f- for sure save life, but uh, for sure improve the diving experience
0: some fascinating stuff there from mr. Spacini from W sense and and you can see how with the right kind of connectivity that kind of sort of iconography communication system he mentioned like an equivalent to WhatsApp yes, water. Yeah. you're able to then in a much more safe and informed way explore that hitherto unknown universe absolutely so much pharmacology comes from the ocean doesn't it does it yeah absolutely loads of medicines are found on the ocean floor and in in the various plants and and, and animals and organisms that dwell deep down with that connectivity though it seems you can't even escape social media underwater I was just thinking that I could do my Insta with a big squid attached to my face that's right and the internet of things or the internet of underwater things makes all of that possible brilliant stuff Thank you for listening to the Business Beyond Limits podcast brought to you by Vodafone Business. With me, Jason Bradbury. And me, Stuart Witz. Oh, love it. And thanks to all of our guests, W WSense and Surrey Search and Rescue. To listen to more episodes in the series, please subscribe through your usual podcast app. And while you're there, come on, we'd love you to leave us a review.